Welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. We are three friends who love to laugh and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. Hi, everybody. Welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. I'm Delight, and I am joined by August and Wendy. We are... <laughs> Go ahead. What do you want to say? I was going to say hello or something, <laughs> just so that people can hear that. Today we have the lovely Hannah Chrisman with us. Thank you, Hannah, for being here with us. We're excited to have you. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, my name is Hannah, of course. Um, I am married to Corwin, which is um, Delight and August's brother. Uh, we have four kids together. Um, Castle is six and Lana is five. Um and I say I'm a lot. That's crazy. Uh, and then Cruz is four. And Sky will be two tomorrow. So we're excited about that. Um, we live in Rome. We just moved there a year ago. So that's been a transition for us um, to just get a community there. Just feeling like we're getting, um, I guess, our feet on the ground is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um Rome, New York, right? Rome, New York, yeah. <laughs> Rome, Italy, you know. I live in Turin, so yeah. that's handy. <laughs> Living high in the hog, as mom would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, and of course, uh, my faith in the Lord is a big part of our lives. Um, just loving Jesus, uh, serving him, and getting plugged into a church there in Rome. Just all that stuff. Because previously you lived near a lot more family and friends and things like that. So it was kind right. of yep. um, moving moving away from kind of your comfort zone a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we lived here in um, Lowville for the first seven years of our marriage. So, yeah, yeah, moving was definitely hard, especially the first few months when you don't know anybody there or where to get plugged in. And when you have four kids, it's hard to have a conversation with people you know well. So to get to know people like brand new is, yeah, very hard with a little family. Uh, But yeah, and now I feel like I'm starting to have a community of my own there, which is is nice. I I still miss my community in Lowville though, for sure. Yeah, how did did you do that? How did you go from moving and being in a new place and being lonely to feeling like, okay, I'm starting to have people. Like what, what happened in between? (laughs) I was honestly really intentional about it. Uh, we, um, I'm an introverted person. I would say is my, uh, my comfort zone, my wheelhouse. Like Um, But when I moved, I knew that if I wanted to not feel lonely, I had to be the one who was reaching out. And so um, just through my time with the Lord and being more secure in myself, I started doing that and just reaching out and saying, hey, like, let's have a play date. It might be crazy, but like, let's do it. And um, also Rome is great for the fact there's a lot of things going on, like there's mops Um, which I'm an active member of. So I met a lot of people through that. Um, We also homeschool. So I met quite a few people through the Rome Leah. Um, Yeah, and so I think most of it was just 
being willing to be inconvenienced. Like mm. if a play date didn't work for my time necessarily, like choosing to be like, nope, like I need to make friends because this is best for my emotional welfare, even if the laundry doesn't get done today because I'm, you know, doing other stuff. Yeah, I think it's easy to wait for other people to come to you, especially in a lonely time. It's easy to kind of even with withdraw even more and not reach out. So I think that that's, I think that's great to say, okay, I'm, I have to put myself out there a little bit, but that's not easy. I struggle with that too. Yeah, definitely not. And I, and I feel like there was also times when like if people weren't available or I didn't know who to call, like to really depend on the Lord in that time. And, um, yeah, there's just a, there's a sweetness to a season of being alone. Like Mm. there's a sweetness to almost like a winter season when you just have Jesus and, and also just my immediate family. I feel like that's been one thing that's been nice about moving this last year is just getting really tight as an immediate family, like between Corwin and myself and the kids. Like when you have family around, I love it. And I love the de- like the dependency and like you can just rely on each other. I love that atmosphere. But when you get pulled out of that, you really just have to rely on, on each other. And specifically like in my marriage, there was a lot of times like last summer and fall after we first moved that Corwin and I would just be like at the end. Like we were both like, I need you to give, but like I would be saying to Corwin, I need you to give and he doesn't have anything left to give to me. Mm -hmm. And he would be feeling the same towards me. Like I'm burnt out. Can you give more? And I'm like, I've got no more. So at that point, that's where you're just like, okay, God, like this is just the season we're in and we, we trust you and know that it's going to get better. Yeah. Tell us about your relationship with the Lord and just where that, where that started. When did you first know God and who he was and when did that become real for you? Um, I, when I was looking at these questions, um, and just thinking about my salvation, uh, I was saved when I was five, like my parents knew the Lord and I grew up in a spirit filled church and, you know, where they spoke in tongues and there was prophecy and, um, I was baptized when I was eight, but I feel like I'm realizing now that there's a difference between being saved and then being a disciple of the Lord. Um, and so a couple years ago, I kind of warred with the fact of, was I really saved when I was a child? Like knowing the difference between my relationship with the Lord as a child and my relationship with the Lord now. Like, mm-hmm. was I saved? Would I have gone to heaven? And I feel like the answer is yes. Like I would have. I feel like I, I wasn't walking hand in hand with the Lord. Um, I experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time when I was 14. Uh, and that was like, since that moment, I remember like specifically being the Lord's, like there was times as a teenager that I would definitely, you know, start doing things of the world and not walking with the Lord. Um, but I felt 
I could still feel him calling me. I could still feel his conviction when I was doing wrong things, just all of that. Um, but I really feel like I started walking with the Lord and stopped doing the whole roller coaster of being a teenager uh, when I was 20. And I was going to school to be a doctor. Um, and that's actually, I came home one weekend and I met my husband. He was hanging out with my father. They were hunting. Um, and I walked in the door. I didn't realize anybody was there but my mom and my dad. And I said, honey, I'm home. And the only person there was my husband on the couch, which obviously I didn't know he'd be my husband at the time. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who are you? I thought I was saying, honey, I'm home to my mom and dad. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so we met, and um, anybody that knows my husband knows that he doesn't beat around the bush. Um, and he, we hung out for a couple hours. He went hunting, and I went with my mom, uh, I think, to town or whatever. Um, but that night, we came back, and after dinner, he was like, hey, let's go play ping pong. And I was like, okay. And so he asked me, like, where I saw myself in five years, and... Like, if I wanted kids, did I want to homeschool my kids? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I told him my plan at the time, just, yeah, that I wanted to be a doctor. And I felt like I was, you know, called to cure cancer. And, um, yeah, that's where I was. Uh, but then I went home, or not home, but back to college after that weekend, spending with Corwin. And... Um, I think it was, I went back Sunday and Tuesday night, I remember the Lord speaking to me specific, like specifically, I was scrolling through Facebook. Um, see, the Lord can speak to you when you're scrolling through Facebook. Perfect. It can happen. <laughs> I don't know if I re recommend it all the time, but. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but I saw a picture of my youth leader and her husband and her four kids um, or maybe it was three kids at the time. She was pregnant. I can't remember. Um, but she, like, I, I felt like I heard the Lord speak to me clearly. It wasn't audible, but it's just like, I knew it was the Lord saying like, you can have her life or you can stay here. It's up to you. And I started reading my Bible and the scripture came to mind of, I think it's in Mark where you can have the whole world, but if you lose your soul, like, you know, what do you gain from it? And so at that point, I knew I had to come home. I knew I was going to marry Corwin. I didn't know when that was going to happen. Um, so from that point on, um, I just made a choice for the Lord. And I made, I, I, hate, to, I hate to say it because it's hard for, it's hard for me to admit that it took a man for me to commit to the Lord in that time. But I think that that's, like, God used that. And people have asked me before, like, oh, like, when did it happen for you, like, when you committed to the Lord? And it really happened all at the same time. Like, the Lord gave me an option. Um, and, yeah, so I chose the Lord, and I thought for sure, like I was going to have to go through like a purification process or something before Corn and I got married, but we got married like six months later. And like, 
I'm so thankful to my husband and to God because that first year we were married, I, I feel like the Lord really healed a lot in me and he grew me and um, yeah, it was good. It was good. I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for a husband that was willing to walk through that healing process with me. That was awesome. Okay. So a little deeper into that, what, so at the time that you went back, like it wasn't, did, was he saying like, Hey, I like you, I want to marry you. Or was that completely, those feelings you were having, was that completely separate from him or was that, I mean, no, he asked you a lot of questions and then you went back to college, but like, was it pretty obvious he was asking questions because he was having feelings or was there not right, really feelings no, involved he, yet? In the 30 seconds that you had met. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he like didn't, he didn't give me indica- indication that he was interested. Okay. Other than, you know, I guess the signals that you get, you know what I'm Attraction, saying? Attraction probably or right, whatever. Attra- being attracted to someone, but he wasn't like, hey, I'm interested in you. Like, would you quit school? It was, you know what I mean? He <laughs> right. didn't say that. I mean, it was clear that he was only interested in a woman that, you know, wanted to stay home and wanted to homeschool and want, like, it, he made it clear that that was his vision for his future. Um, and I was, yeah. Like, I realized, like, like had I come home, choosing him was choosing that for my life. Okay. But I didn't feel like, yeah. He wasn't asking you to right, do he that. he wasn't it asking was me just... to do that. I feel like the Lord was saying, like, this is what's best for you. Or you can do this. Like, he, was, he gave me the option because that's the way the Lord is. Like, he wants us to have a free will. And, of course, I'm thankful today. It was hard... It was a hard transition for me from like being a working woman to being, you know, a housewife. Yeah, that was really hard on my, just the way I processed and thought about life. What I, what I thought was important and not important. Like the Lord had to really work on that in me. Like that my purpose is not a job. The Lord is my purpose. And yeah, just really instilling in me foundational things. Yeah, I think that first year. So was there a point you mentioned about the purification you thought might kind of come before marriage, like you knew that they were going hand in hand. Was there a point where that did come, where you feel like God was taking you through something like you had imagined? Yeah. Yeah. When we were, um, first married, uh, like when we were engaged, there was a lot of things I wasn't honest with Corwin about. Mm. And so when we were married for about six months, um, I felt really fearful one night. I think (laughs) I'm really dramatic when it comes to being sick. Like I'm just like, I, I'm barely hurt at all. And then all of a sudden in my mind, I have cancer. So like, this is, you know, kind of just my personality. I know that's the devil. And so I, no you No wonder you had planned to cure it. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, so one night, I, I think my side hurt. And so I was like, oh, what side is your pancreas on? And, you know, I'm like thinking all this stuff. And, oh, it's your right side. Oh, it's my left side that hurts. And so then all of a sudden, 
I'm picturing myself going into the hospital and getting surgery to get my, is it your pancreas? Not your pancreas, your appendix. appendix? That's what I'm thinking of. I'm like, pancreas is not right. Okay, so I'm I'm getting my appendix out. Pancreas would be way worse. Don't want to get that out. Um, And so I'm thinking about like, what if I don't wake up? Like I'm daydreaming in bed about this. And then I think about, like the Lord convicts me, like I haven't been honest. Like I'm lying to my husband. Um, and so I did, I, I woke him up and I was honest with him about a lot of really hard things. Um, yeah. And, and so he left for like an hour or two, like he was just really hurt. And then he came back and we like talked through it. But then for the next three months, three or four months, like things kept coming to my mind that I hadn't told him. And that was really, really hard. Like it was just like reliving pain again. Like it was rough, but I felt forgiven. You know what I mean? Like I felt whole after that um, because, yeah, it was just it was just really good. It was good. And the Lord brought healing. And the funny thing is, like I wanted to get, it's not funny, it's totally God. I wanted to get pregnant right away when we got married, but I wasn't pregnant. And as soon as I was done with like being completely honest with Cora when we got pregnant with Castle. And so that's the Lord. Like he knew I wasn't ready to have a kid. Like right. that we had to get things right between us or and I had to get things right with the Lord. So it was good. Amazing. Yeah. He's so faithful. Yeah. For sure. Okay, Hannah, talk about the importance of that, like that honesty thing. Like just of living honest obviously we don't have to tell the whole world every little piece of junk that we have but at the same time where do you see where do you put place the importance of being open and being vulnerable with people your husband but in general like what what have you learned about that as far as should we what do you what do you think about it (laughs) Um, honesty is so important. I, I grew up, not that, not that honesty wasn't important to my family. It was, I just think we, I, I grew up with the more of the mindset of if it's going to hurt somebody, you should probably keep it to yourself, Mm -hmm. which I think there is value to that. Like I talk to my children a lot, like you don't have to, you know, be like, hey, your shirt looks funny today. Like, that's not <laughs> nice. I mean, you know, like being kind if you don't have something kind to say. But you need to be, it's more important to be honest because it's more hurtful later. In my example, it would have been way less hurtful. It was hurtful to my husband because I wasn't honest. It wasn't hurtful to my, yes, it was hurtful to my husband what I had done in my past. But but it was way more hurtful to him that I had kept it from him. Um, yeah, so I think honesty is important. I think it it frees you up. I think when we're not honest with people, it gives the devil a foothold in our life. And that's what it was for me. I feel like as soon as I was honest, like the devil didn't have that there to shame me or condemn me like because... I, I have been forgiven. I have been set free. I have nothing to hide. Like, right. it's in the light. Uh, 
uh, there's a saying I I don't know if it's in the Bible, but I feel like it's biblical. Like, I don't know if the exact words are in the, like in a specific scripture, but I feel like this biblical that, you know, where darkness can't be in the light. So if we're, if we free ourselves and we're honest, we can live in the light and we're just, we're safe there. Yeah. Yeah. And the Bible talks about, about having fellowship, that, Mm -hmm. that walking in that light is where we can have fellowship yeah. with each other. And it's safe. Like, it's a safe net, too. Like, even if you are struggling, I I feel like a lot of Christians don't want to open up and, and say, hey, I'm struggling with this because they're afraid of judgment. Mm-hmm. Or they're, like, because we, I don't know why as humans, we, specifically Christians, we have the feeling of wanting to get, have it all together. When it's better to say, hey, I don't have it all together because you can have people praying with you and keeping you accountable and yeah. it's, it's just safe there, even though it's hard. It's hard and it's painful, but it's a part of the pruning process that God talks about. Just to get good fruit, you have to, you have to prune it, right? Yes. So I think that's in Matthew as well. It's a good good passage yeah what so where do you feel like your relationship with the lord is today like what does that what does that look like right now Uh, i feel like it's good i thinking about yeah thinking about my relationship with the lord i feel like it's not where i want it to be like for me i feel like if i only had more time to spend with the lord if i only (laughs) blah 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 um, so specifically this last year moving and having, you know, having less relate, not that I had less relationships. It's just when you live an hour away from people you have a relationship with, you have, you can't spend as much time, you know, right. face to face spending with people. Um, and I felt like I got into a season a little bit of just kind of constantly critiquing myself. Um, oh, I could do this better. I could do that better or whatever, which I feel like there's value in examining your heart and examining yourself. But I was catching, like, I was doing it too much. And I felt the Lord just saying, like, just be content and rest in me. Like, you're in a busy season of life. Like, I, I need to stop striving to achieve something. Mm-hmm. And when I just rest in his presence, like, that's, he meets me there. And when I spend time with him like I just grow as a person like it doesn't have to be this complicated thing um and so I'm good with that I used to think it was bad that I'm not where I want to be but I think till we get to heaven we're not going to be where we want to be right and so yeah, yeah I would say it's good I feel really blessed right now in my life thankful that's awesome how does having four children you mentioned you know that they are you have four, six and under? Yep. Is that right? I should know that off the top of my head, but it took me, <laughs> took me a minute. Well, well one old, will be your seven oldest in will January. be seven, so I think that's, yeah. what, that's what threw me. But that's, I don't feel like that's super typical anymore in these day and age to have several children and to have them very close in age. Talk a little bit about that and what that looks like. Um, it's definitely not typical especially now that we've moved to more of a city and less of a rural area. Uh, 
I get people, like we go to the YMCA and so there's childcare there and we work out and stuff. And a lot of the other parents there only have one or two kids or if they have more than that, their kids are in school. Um, so I get a lot like, wow, you have your hands full or, you know, just mm-hmm. all that, those comments, which mostly are really nice and people are, I think I've learned to accept that comment as a compliment instead mm-hmm. of like a, you're crazy. Right. Yeah. Cause I do, I think it's like, oh, like you're cool that you've got, you know, I mean, at least that's how I take it now. That's great. Four kids. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, having kids as close as they are. Um, I am thankful to be out of the baby season. Um, I would have to say that was a lot harder just because I got a lot less sleep. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just a, it's a challenge every day to be intentional about disciplining them, loving them, making sure that I'm being Jesus to them, not Hannah to them. Um, Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of, uh, I, most nights my husband works evenings. So pretty much every night around seven, I feel like, Lord help me now. Like I, I Mm -hmm. just, I, it's hard, but it's worth it. I remember the other night, um, Castle, he's my oldest. He woke up, um, sorry, I'm going to back up a little bit. So I'm reading Shepherding a Child's Heart right now. And it just talks about out of the abundance of the heart, you know, the mouth speaks or behavior happens. So it talks about having your child's heart first and good behavior will come from that. You know, guiding your child's heart to the father instead of like, because if we can get our children to follow the father, I mean, that's what we want. We don't want them to, yes, I want them to honor and respect me, but more than that, I want them to have a relationship with the Lord. Anyway, so I struggle with my oldest specifically. I think we just have different personalities and it's hard to know how to really navigate that. Um, So I was just praying to the Lord before I went to sleep, like, Father, like, give me your eyes for Castle and, and help me, show me how to guide his heart to you because I feel lost a lot of the time. Anyways, so he wakes up at two in the morning that night after I prayed and he's calling to me and I'm like, why didn't you just come to my room? You're going to wake everybody up. Ah, Cause he's like way far away from me. So he was hollering pretty loud and he's like, Oh, I had a bad dream. Anyways, I was like, Oh, okay. So I laid with him. Oh, and he said, I didn't think I could get out of bed. I'm like, sorry, my bad. (laughs) Because we're normally like, you're six. Just go to the bathroom. Go back to bed. You don't have to wake us up. But anyways, he had a bad dream. And it was about spiders and whether there was poisonous spiders. And we just got into this really deep discussion about God and how he protects us when we're like serving him and, and about heaven and about like, even if you got bit by this a spider, you know, like the Lord would take care of you and like things would, it was just really good. And so at two in the morning, I'm having like this 40 minute conversation with my six year old <laughs> about God. And so I just felt like this is the part of parenting that I like, I love. Um, and so it makes it worth it. You know, it makes it worth it. All the 
disrespect that they may give you at times and all that stuff. Like, right. There are those moments where you're like, okay, I'm doing this right. Like, yeah. I've got, like, because I have you, God, I'm going to get this right. Yes. <laughs> um, and also, like, my other son, my boys seem to give me the issues, not the girls. That's what the heck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have moments with them, but, you know. Anyways, <laughs> but Cruz was, one night was just, He's just very busy and he's very vocal. So if he's upset about something, he's just like screaming right away. So it's just, since he was two, we've been work like we work on it constantly with him. Like, okay, like if you're screaming, you're going to have a consequence. Like you don't need to scream just because someone takes your toy. Like you need to use your words. You're four now. You're going to be five in April. Like, so it just gets frustrating. You think that, you know, I've been consistent. Like he should get it, right? Um... So I'm at my wit's end. I think that was Sunday night. And then Monday we had co-op. And so the other kids were in their French class, I think it was. And so him and I were just sitting and playing Candyland together. And he was being so sweet and like nothing crazy he said or anything. But he's just like, it was just a nice moment. And I started to like cry a little bit. And he's like, Mom, why are you crying? I'm like... You're so cute, and I love you so much. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's good. And it's also helpful that I have an amazing husband who's, he works a lot, but when he's there, he's there 110%. And he's, yeah, he's just consistent. He always has the right answer to everything. I feel like, I feel really blessed to have him. Like, I feel like I'm the parent who's always like, I don't know. And so I just call him and he knows the answer. So it's, it's really great. It's nice. Well, you know, he grew up with a couple of really great sisters. <laughs> yeah, who, that uh, has a lot to do with it. <laughs> Delight's like, well, yeah, I'm the oldest. I probably did teach him a lot. <laughs> no, we have wonderful parents. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really great. I am blessed. All right, Hannah, tell me what... What are you passionate about? What do you want to shout from the rooftops? Shout from the rooftops? <laughs> um, well, I, like I was sharing um, about my children, I'm very passionate about them. I, they're my number, yeah, number one priority right now, just um, making sure that they're loved well, that they're disciplined well, that um, I'm, I'm raising adults, not children. Is that how you say it? Um, yeah. So that takes, that is my number one passion. I, I have found a lot of opportunity since I've moved to share that passion with other moms, which is really cool. Um, we had to take what I've learned from my community here in Lowville and share it with my community in Rome. It's just been great. And I mean, I've also learned, you know, from other people there too. Um, but it's just such a need. Like, I feel like there are a lot of parents who want to do it right, but they just don't have the answers. And so just really digging into scripture and what God says about discipline and loving your children and sharing that with other people and being consistent. I'm really passionate about that. Um, I'm passionate about my marriage because I know um, it's important for my, like it's important for, my marriage is important for my family, but it's also important for 
people who who watch my marriage. Like marriage is supposed to be an example of what you know Christ is to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like there's I feel like people discredit that ministry a lot. Like there's there's so much ministry in just being a good example. I mean I think back to my salvation story and just I think about my youth leader because she was a good example. She loved her husband. She loved her children. Her example, you know, God used that as a tool to have make help me make a good choice, like and to have all those things. Um, some a hobby that I love is I love to work out. We work out a lot, which is a lot of fun. I love fitness and health and all that stuff. It's yeah, it's fun and it's it's a good stress reliever when you're having kids all the time. So yeah, <laughs> it's good. It helps me be a good mom for sure to have an outlet. Like I would encourage everybody, like if you don't have an outlet, if it's not working out for you, then whatever your outlet is, get a certain amount of time each day and, and do it because it will help you be a good mom and a good wife for sure. I want to go back to what you said first about being passionate about your children and hear a little more specifics of what that looks like. You mentioned raising adults and not, not kids. And I'm, I want to, I wonder what that means to you more specifically. And I also wonder how you then, because you said that, like how you feel about the phrase, like, well, kids will be kids because I feel like those two are sort of maybe opposite of each other a little bit, but I feel like older kids is kind of a very common excuse thing or well do you see it as an excuse like what yeah Yeah. what do you think about that um I feel like kids will be kids is a phrase that gets misused like if I say kids will be kids I view that as them having fun and running around and being silly I don't I think people use it as an excuse for okay, they can whine because they didn't get something. A good example of raising adults is, my husband is better at this because I'm quite gracious, (laughs) too gracious sometimes. Um, So Corwin took Cruz and my younger two, Cruz and Skye, um, to get groceries yesterday. And I had the older two home and I was homeschooling them just so they could focus and grocery shopping got done, it was great. Well, while he was out, he got Cruz a Frosty. And so when they got home, Lana, you know, she was a little disappointed, but she was she was happy for Cruz that he got a Frosty and she kept doing her schoolwork. But Castle was really upset. He was like in tears almost that he he didn't get a Frosty and Cruz got a Frosty. And, and so in that moment, it could be easy to just be like, oh, like, what can I get for you, bud? Like, what's a treat I can get for you? But because we're raising adults, he needs to learn that, like, you're not always going to get everything that everybody else gets. And it's okay to deal with that disappointment and to have a good attitude about it and be happy for Cruz. Um, yeah, so I think that's what that's an example of what it looks like for us is just because you're tired or you don't get what you want or whatever the case is doesn't 
doesn't give you the okay to have a bad attitude just because you're younger than me. Like, and I, and I love that. I feel like it's, it's preparing them for life. Um, I feel like it's going to help them as adults. That's something I had to learn as an adult. Like even, even today I'm still like, and I, and I think everybody does, but I think because that wasn't as much my attitude growing up, maybe, um, like, I don't feel like I was coddled, but like, I do feel like it was okay to be emo- a more emotional mm-hmm. and not that emotions are bad. Yeah. Um, but, but pouting is never necessary. I guess, does that answer your question yeah, a little bit? I Just so. an example of what it looks like for us. And it's, like I said, it's hard for me because I'm more gracious. I'm like, oh, like, I want to bless Castle too, especially because his love language is gifts and like, oh, but I, I, it's also good that my husband reminds me that I'm setting up him up for success as an adult if he can deal well with disappointment now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that flows over into not just attitudes. It's, it's just everything. Yeah. Um, it's also, uh, I'm really working on them helping around the house. That's something I didn't really do the last year. Okay, I use this a little bit as an excuse, but like having babies so fast, like I, I guess I just got in the mode of doing everything myself. I just do it, I do it because they can't do it because they're potty training and they don't really eat by themselves and all this stuff. Right. So then before I know it, I have a six-year-old not really doing anything around the house, a five-year-old not really doing anything around the house, etc. Um, except for picking up their toys. I was consistent about that. Um, but really setting them up for success and... Someone told me a story that when she was six, she would clean the whole kitchen by herself. And she was from a family of like 11 children. So I was like, okay, if she can clean the whole kitchen by herself at six, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I can do some more. So that's, that's been something we've been working on is like training them to empty the dishwasher and load the dishwasher and um, vacuum and make their bed every morning. Even my four-year-old doesn't look great, but he's making it. He's trying. Mm -hmm. He's making Mm -hmm. his bed. So, um, and it's making my life a lot easier Um, now that they've, some days are more of a battle than others. Sure. But yeah, just stuff like that. I can see how, man, by the time I have 10 and under, I'm going to be pretty much out of a job, which is great. I (laughs) I mean, not completely, but I look forward to that. Yeah. And I think that that's very valuable. Like you said, life skills for them and, but even just for life to feel pleasant right now as you're in the, in the child season or child rearing season. I think that some of the things you said honestly can be a not very popular opinion, especially when it comes to children. How do you like, kind of portray that to others or like when someone maybe thinks that you're too harsh on your kids or like how would I maybe defend or like not defend but just to explain more why I do what I do yeah how do you live in in relationship with maybe someone else who might not agree with what you're doing Hmm. that's hard um I don't 
run into it a lot, I think, because I'm not a very, what's the word, confrontational person. I think if it comes to a point where they want me to share, then I share. Um, I've, I've had a few different situations with people where it's like, uh, <laughs> um, but those people like they respect, like they respect my parenting. And so it's like, even though they don't agree, like we're both mature enough to just say, okay, like they're your kids and you can do what you want. But mostly I, I don't run into people who don't like how I parent. Mostly people tell me how well behaved my kids are and what am I doing? That's what I mostly get. Um, so that's a blessing. I think, I think it's hard for me to give advice to people and then see them not utilize it. I think that would be the, the hardest thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess I haven't had to really defend or combat or whatever. I think for, for me, for me mostly, if I ever did have to, like I, I raise my children how I believe God wants me to raise them and I, I do it by his word. So I think if, if, if they're a believer and they believe in his word, then we'd have something to talk about. But if, they're, if they don't believe in the word of God, then we don't really, you know what I mean? Like there's no common ground to, to stand on, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yep. And I feel like when I, also when I, like, when I describe to people that I discipline my kids, I'm very careful to say, in the way in which I disciplined them. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's hard. Um, I hate to say that I spank my kids. I hate using that terminology because when I say that, people often visualize me with an angry face and a wooden spoon and, you know, just a weeping child. And that's what they visualize. Um, but when I explain to them that I take them to a specific spot, you know, when they do something wrong. We also use timeouts. We also take away things. But when I do choose to give them a rod, like when I explain to them that, hey, we have a conversation, me and my child, I say, listen, you know, Cruzy, I told you not to climb on the counter again. You kept climbing on the counter. Um, like you chose to disobey mommy. So when you choose to disobey mommy, you get a rod. And so then he says, okay, is usually about what it sounds like. And then I give him a rod. He cries a little, then we hug. And I say, you know, mommy loves you, right? And he's like, yeah. And then we move on with our life. It's not me. You know, I can't say that I've always been perfect, but that's the ideal behind the way we parent is, hey, this is why you're getting a consequence, whether it be a rod or a timeout or taking something away, taking TV away is a big one for us now. Taking dessert away is a big one for us now, now that they're getting older. Taking money away for Castle is also a big one. Um, but yeah, when people see that that is in the way in which we discipline, then they don't really have much of an argument. Uh, it's, it's when you just say like, hey, I spanked my kids. Then they're like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. So it's just all on how you present 
the gospel, really. I mean, like, you know, not the gospel, but the Bible. I think that's great, Hannah. And I think that it's, I think we live in a day and age where it is very important to know like what we believe and why we believe it and be able to stand in confidence of what we feel like God has spoken to us. And Mm -hmm. I think that parenting is a big area where you have to, you have to do that because there are a lot of opinions. There are a lot of different ways of doing things. And I think it's good to just say, yeah, this is what we're doing, you know, like, and we're in agreement and it's working for us. So right. When people see the fruit of what you're doing, um, just kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. Sure. Tell us about like what in your life has been difficult. Like, have you had a difficult season or a time that was maybe harder than other times? I mean, you have talked about some times that were hard. Do you have a place where you feel like God really met you in a difficult time? Uh, yeah. Uh, my husband wasn't always a police officer. He used to work for a family business um, here in Lowville. And so he always had the desire to be a police officer, um, but he didn't have his high school diploma. Um so we talked about it off and on since we got married. Um, but he just, we started having kids and he had a steady job. Um, and so it got to the point where he, like, we just decided, like, this desire for you to be a police officer isn't going away. Why don't you just do it? Um, so my kids uh, were, I think, when he first started, they were a little, like, two, one and newbornish. He, um, when I just had the three, he went back and got his GED and then he, he quit the business, his family business, and he went to college and was working full time, um, at a, a factory, um, a bowling pin factory. And uh, so that was crazy. Like he would get up at five in the morning and he would, he would work till three, then he would have night classes, um, and that was four day. That was four days a week, I think. So four days a week, I wouldn't really see him. He would just sleep next to me at night for like four hours, and then go do it again. Um, so that was really hard. Um, but what was even harder is he got into a police academy in Potsdam, which was totally God. Like, just the whole. I won't get into it, but the whole situation of him even getting accepted into this program was crazy. And Jesus. Um, but he lived away from us five days out of the week. Like he had, um, he lived in the house in Potsdam. And so I had, I was pregnant with Sky at the time. And then I had my three little ones and it was really difficult to be separate from your husband. Like it was awful. (laughs) And it was like six months of just saying goodbye every Sunday night and, you know, like, or Monday morning, most of the time it was Sunday night. And he wasn't really available. Like, I mean, he talked to us a little bit on the weeknights, but he had homework to do and he was focused. And so it was me and three kids being pretty pregnant 
And um, yeah, that was hard, but I felt like it was so what God intended for not only him and his career, but also for me and, and my heart. Like he used that loneliness in me being without my husband to draw me to himself, mm. which I think was especially good because, because my discipleship with the Lord started the same time I met my husband. I think it was really good to separate the two. Like because, because Corwin was so much Jesus was skin on to me, I think it was easy to place him, put him in the place of God, you know, put him in the place of you need to be my happiness and my security when Christ needed to be that for me. And so that season of my life, as hard as it was and as hard as it was to be patient and kind and loving to my children during that time, it was necessary and the Lord used it to grow me for sure. Can you talk a little more about that? Like what was... What were the things that you maybe had to change or had to look at differently? Or where did God actually change you or meet you in that time? Um, I, I didn't really make spending time with the Lord much of a priority. I think just, I mean, not as an excuse, just the season of life with babies and all that stuff. So there was many nights I would put my kids to bed and I'd put on worship music and I would just cry and spend time with the Lord and um, getting up early too, sometimes before my kids. Um, Yeah, and just many times just feeling like that feeling of, it's like a gut feeling of feeling lonely, you know, and just starting to pray to the Lord during that time when you get that feeling, it's, and he did, he gave me peace. Like I would almost get so lonely I would feel anxiety or I mainly felt anxiety about just not being able to be a good enough parent by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord gave me grace for that season, like amazing grace. Like I never thought I could do something like that. I thought no way, like like I've said, you know, before, before like Corwin's the parent with all the answers. So at that point, God had to be the parent with all the answers, and I just had to listen. Like, and it was good. It was good for my relationship with my children too. Um, it was, it was easy to get for me to get lax and just kind of give them grace, and Corwin would deal with them when he gets home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but no, like I had to be the one that they listened to. I had to be the one that followed through every time, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, yeah, it was good. I I feel like there's not. A specific moment I think it was just all the moments during those six months um, and it was a lot of people just affirming me too like a lot of people supporting me and family and friends and just saying hey like you're doing it right keep doing it or taking my kids so I could breathe you know just all that stuff it was really good tell us some of the ways that you live you have somewhat, but tell us, you know, are there any, any things that you do that are kind of practical ways to be intentional about life? Um, yeah, I think I'm just intentional with everything, honestly. Um, 
I have an ongoing to-do list in my brain. And so I feel like there's not a minute that's not spent somewhere. You know what I mean? So I'm, I think I'm more intentional about resting, um, if anything, in this season of my life is... Like last week got really overwhelming. There's just thing upon thing to do. And then um, Sunday after church, I was just like, you know what? The kids, we went to a church picnic and I was just like, it's time for me to just rest. And so I put my littlest one for her nap and I let my older three watch a show. And I just, I sat and I rested and I was like, I know I have this ongoing to-do list, but in order to do that, I need to be intentional about resting myself because I can only can only do so much <laughs> so I'm in, I'm intentional about that and like I said I'm intentional about training my kids um, I'm intentional about spending time with my husband uh, like okay so I actually count how long it's been since we've had sex and I make sure we have sex like every three days, probably. I'm intentional about that. I feel mm-hmm. like that's important. When I got, before I got married, someone told me like, um, just, just, she said like when she started having kids, it was easy to say no and to say no a lot. And she was just like encouraging me, like try not to say no too much. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, it's good. Like only every three days. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's more often. Just, it's hard with the evening shift, I tell you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so just being intentional about that, and but more more than just sex, but intentional about quality time once a week. Like if we can't get out to have a date night, like we have a date night in is our thing. We put the kids to bed at eight and. We spend from 8 till probably 11. I stay up a little bit later. And we, like, talk. We make a special meal. You know, do other things. (laughs) But, yeah, it's good. I can can sense, like, there was a week in August where it's usually every Monday night we we spend time together. And we ended up booking both his nights off with other people and other things. So we didn't get home till late. So we didn't have quality time for like two weeks and I was like I was emotional Mm -hmm. I was just like not feeling loved (laughs) um so it's good it's good it keeps us um just in harmony with each other keeps everything going and as far as like kids and life and yeah it's hard for me to do anything when I get emotional just everything shuts down so yeah it's great. I love it. Okay, Hannah, we always ask our guests and ourselves when it's just us. <laughs> what's good about today for you? Uh, honestly, what's good about today is being here with you guys. Like, I, I, I miss you guys a lot. So it's really just does my heart good to be here. And last week, um, I saw a bunch of you guys at Arby's, and so it just made, started to make me cry. Just like anytime I get to see you guys makes me really happy. So, yeah. yeah. Good. Well, we're really glad that you are here. We're so thankful, and thank you for being honest and open about your life. And, yeah, can't wait until people get to hear this. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Have a good day.